I'm a husband bulge, Taylor. And I'm a blood-soaked unicorn, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. Not this week, but last week. Supposed to be this week. <laughs> no, supposed to be last week. <laughs> but this week, we watched 2011's Ca- uh, The Cabin in the Woods. Sorry, it is The Cabin in the Woods, not just Cabin in the Woods. Directed by Drew Goddard, starring Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, pre-Thor, by the way. Anna Hutchinson, Franz uh, Franz Kranz, which is a, a great name. Uh, Jesse Williams, Richard Jenkins, and Bradley Whitford. Uh, and we're not mentioning the writer of this movie because he sucks and we hate we him. We don't like you, Joss Whedon. Uh, you suck. This is a Joss Whedon hate podcast. Yeah, we don't like him. He's a bad person and a bad writer. He sucks. We don't like him. What are your memories with this movie? Uh, I watched this movie as part of, you know, when you're a horror fan and you're like, I well, I got to hit the got to hit up the classics. Uh, which is why I was shocked to find out that this movie came out in 2011. I thought this was a solid, like, 2000s movie. And that it, it had been around in the cultural consciousness, like, forever. Uh, but I guess not. It's it's only been around since 2011. I hate everything. <laughs> Feel old uh, yet? I don't. I do, and I don't like it. <laughs> this is Chris Hemsworth now. Feel old yet? <laughs> no, no, wait. I have a better one. I have a better one. Oh, Christ. This is Bradley Whitford now. Shows a picture of Bradley Whitford in Get Out when he has white hair. Feel old yet? <laughs> oh, fuck. Did you know uh, that was him? I, I did okay. because I watched, the, I watched the kill count and it mentioned okay, that. Okay, <laughs> because I wrote a note in here. <laughs> I wrote a note in here uh, that said, a note for Jemmy. This is the dad from Get, Get Out. Face blind moment. I know you had no idea. I did have no idea, but Mr. James A. Janice told me before you did. Thank so. you, James. <laughs> Thank you, James Deadmeat, my good friend. We know him personally. No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> I, met, I met James and Chelsea at a horror convention once, and they were very kind, but I do I do not know them personally, no. Uh, but yeah, I watched this with, I think, I think my friend Carm and I watched this together, but I can't be sure. It's either that or I watched it with Jace and I cannot for the fucking life of me remember what it was. But I did watch this movie once and then I watched it again for the podcast and that's about it, baby. So I've never seen this movie before. (laughs) You? Wait! You told me you'd seen this movie. I thought I had. And I think I was confusing it with a different movie. Were you confusing it with Evil Dead? Maybe? I don't know. Because... Because, like, visually it borrows from Evil Dead a lot. Yeah, because, like, I I was under the impression that I had seen it, and then I started watching it, and I was like, I actually have no idea what this is. Oh my god. <laughs> well, no fucking wonder you have, like, so much to say. This is your first time watching it. <laughs> so, I had no idea what this was gonna be. <laughs> no, that's not true. I knew the twist. Right. I had heard of the twist. But for some reason was under the impression that at some point I must have sat down and watched it. Right. I don't remember when it was. But you know those movies where you're like, I don't remember the last time I saw it, but I must have seen it. Yeah. I just kind of assumed I had watched it. And then the further I got into this movie, I was like, no, I actually don't think I've seen this. But she didn't. But she didn't, and I didn't, and so. Oh, that's so funny. I see. I've been under the impression up until a few minutes ago that you'd seen it before. So I was like, "Wow, why does Taylor have like so much?" I, I, I it's a movie to be talked about, sure. But like, why does Taylor have so much to say about this? Because movie? up until Turns last out, night, I was also under the impression that I had seen it. You know, sometimes so when funny. you're a film person who watches a lot of movies, you trick yourself. You jokers trick yourself, and. Oh, man. I'm glad you dropped this on air. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad I waited until we were recording to to hit you with that fluffy fact. Really funny. Really good stuff. Really good stuff. Uh, hard-hitting journalism. Mm. I texted Jemmy after watching this movie, and I was just like, I wrote so many notes. <laughs> In comparison, listeners, I have uh, uh, about, th- let's call it three pages of notes. <laughs> See, I don't have, see, I write my notes in uh, oh, like a, a little doc in Notion, so I don't know how yeah. many pages it was, but uh, I wrote a l- lot of really long paragraphs, so oh. <laughs> I had some shit to get off my chest. 
yeah, Taylor is going to be leading the discussion on this one in case you hadn't realized. Because <laughs> I, I just... Like, like I, I don't want to come off as, like, thinking that this is not a movie that warrants discussion, because it very much is. But it's, it's just not a movie that, like, stays in my brain personally for thinky thoughts. So I'm very interested to see what you have to say, Taylor. It is very funny looking back at my notes, because, like, at first, because the kind of notes that I tend to take when I watch these movies is, like, shit, like, I'll read some out loud. I just wrote... I love the super dramatic intro followed by the mundane office space style small talk. Really drives home how bureaucratic this institution is. Like little sentences. Mm-hmm. And then the further you scroll, it's just like <laughs> large paragraph of just furious. Like, I need you to imagine me just at my keyboard, like to quote Chris Fleming for the second time in 10 minutes. I was playing the keyboard bongos. Right, of Just course. through the entirety of this movie. Like, so I have a very large desktop computer. So when I watch movies for this podcast, I will split my screen in half and I will do half movie and then notes on the other half of the screen. So I'm typing these and- notes on a keyboard and I'm I'm like, click, 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 click. So many thoughts, many thoughts head full. I think this is where the like gap in our age really shows because when I watch movies for this podcast, I watch them either on my TV or on my laptop and I have a physical notebook that I write in. Well, because I've tried writing them down. This is a total digression. But when I've tried writing notes in my notebook, I find I have to like look away from the screen down to the notebook and I don't want to have to do that. See, I'm just used to doing that because I was in film classes for God knows how long. So if I so. just look over to the other side of my computer, then it, the movie is still in my peripheral. Huh. I don't know. It's... It, it, no, it makes sense. Maybe this is like a some sort of like ADHD thing. I think it might this be. This might be the ADHD autism divide because I have both and you only have autism. <laughs> we need to have Jade in here. Yeah, we need to have Jade to mediate as the, the person who doesn't have autism but does have ADHD. Um, but yeah, I was literally just like furiously typing once the, like, like a third of the movie had passed my notes switched to just like, I'm writing an essay now. (laughs) Really good. Really good stuff. Um, shall we do the quick plot summary? Uh, we're actually not going to, at Taylor's behest, we are not going, uh, plot summary, like for the whole thing. Uh, today she just wants to talk. I wish I which... could, but I can't figure out a way to transition from plot summary into my thoughts. I just feel like I need free reign to just bounce around. It's fine. So when five college friends arrive at a remote forest cabin for a little vacation, little do they expect the horrors that await them. One by one, the youths fall victim to backwoods zombies. But there is another factor at play. Two scientists are manipulating the ghoulish goings-on, but even as the body count rises, there is yet more at work than meets the eye. Categorically untrue. It is not just two scientists. It's an entire fucking thing. Um, but yeah, sure, I'll take that. It's a lot of them. It's a whole fucking office building of them. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Yeah. Oh, duh, duh, trigger warnings. Yes. Blood, gore, uh, creepy stuff i don't know there's a scene where two characters are having sex and they're being watched without their knowledge yeah um i can't yeah. think of anything else to trigger one for. I, I can't either uh spiders there's a big old big old spider at one point um snakes there's a big old snake nihilism nihilism uh lots of like jo- lots of like humanity doesn't deserve to make it kind of talk Towards the end of the Joss film. Whedon quipping. Joss Whedon quipping. We need to trigger one for that. <laughs> <sighs> we'll get into it's, that. It's n- listen, it's not as bad as some of his other stuff. I will give it that. That's it's the it's thing. no not to just it's no Avengers 2012. Not to just jump into the notes that I was writing, but I was like, wow, the Joss Whedon quipping is actually kind of funny. And I'm realizing that this is because he co-wrote it with with another person. Exactly. Like Drew Goddard was like <laughs> like keeping him in check. Yeah, Joss Whedon, much like Stephen Moffat, needs someone there to, like, slap him on the wrist and tell him no. I assume this is also why Buffy is the way it is. Yeah, Because, like, you have a whole writer's room on a TV show. Right, exactly. So, you know, you have that. The Avengers is what happens when you unleash Joss Whedon. 
Also, this is also just, the the Justice League movie. That's also what happens when you unleash Joss Whedon, and that's not good. Yeah, either. I've never, I've, I've never seen that, and I never will. <laughs> well, bro, you haven't seen anyway, the Snyder Cut. I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I actually like to watch movies that are less than three hours. <laughs> <laughs> we love ninety minute films on this podcast. Is this ninety minutes? I think it it's is. a little over ninety minutes. Okay, but not it's much. not two hours. No, God, no. Um. Anyway, boy, oh uh, Taylor, take take it away, Taylor. Take it away. I'm gonna start with stuff I liked. Okay. I loved. <laughs> what if you had just stayed quiet? <laughs> <laughs> I just like, let's start with stuff I liked. Just two minutes. Now of let's silence. move on to what I don't Sustained like. <laughs> two minutes of silence. No, because <laughs> I don't. I feel bad. Because I didn't hate this movie. I actually thought it was pretty good, right? Yeah, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a pretty solid movie. But it's the kind of pretty solid movie where the highs are high and the lows are so low and the lows make me infuriatingly angry. Uh Uh-huh. But, like, it's almost incongruous with the stuff that I liked about this movie because, number one... All of the jokes in this movie were hitting me exactly the way they were supposed to. I was cackling laughing mm-hmm. during this film. Yeah, this is a very funny it's movie. It's so funny. Something like like the when they're reading the diary. I mean, I, I made this my intro because I thought it was the funniest shit on earth. The fucking <laughs> husband bulge. Yes. He's got a husband bulge. A husband's bulge. <laughs> <laughs> I also, uh, just listing off jokes I like, I really liked the the cut to Bradley Whitford fucking face palming after Chris Hemsworth goes, whatever happens, we have to stay together. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, oh, I loved the way that they addressed the creepy old man by going, Mordecai, baby, what's happening? <laughs> Very good. Really Very good. good. Um, oh, I also loved that Chris Hemsworth ate pussy on the silver screen. Good for him. I think more sex scenes in movies should feature a woman getting, or a man getting, someone with a pussy getting that pussy eaten. Yeah. I think it's Slay. I think, I think uh, the next MCU MCU movie. I think the next MCU movie should have Thor eating pussy. I agree. There's precedent for it. It, There are two pussies this man could be eating. Come on Mm -hmm. now. Yeah, I literally just wrote in my notes, okay, we'd love to see men eating pussy on the silver screen with like 10 exclamation points. Crimsy voice, seven vaginas, <laughs> maybe more. <laughs> Stop! Maybe. Imagine. Imagine. <laughs> um, what I like about this movie is how much of it the, the director went into this movie and he, he, I, he says this in an interview, that he went into this movie with a terrible mindset for directing a movie. And it's anything that can be practical will be practical. Terrible for a, on a movie making uh, uh, level because it's very hard to do. But the results, baby. The results. And the monsters look so good and cool. I love that the uh, the shot that like pretty much everyone knows from this movie where it pulls out and there's like, boxes full of all these different monsters all done pretty much all done like with people in practical costumes some of them were like actual like spiders and and snakes and stuff that they put in boxes they had they had several sizes of boxes to make everything look like oversized and then they put it all together digitally it's so fucking cool and it looks fantastic i love it looks great I love the the visuals of this movie i think that the the creature designs are fantastic Mm-hmm. I want to give a special shout out to Pinhead from the Dollar Store, who I I want to befriend him. I want to give a shout out to the werewolf that apparently Sigourney Weaver was obsessed with, which like, hey, girl, I feel you. Also, Sigourney Weaver's in this. Sigourney Weaver's in this. It's never a bad thing for Sigourney Weaver to be in anything. A surprise Sigourney Weaver is the best surprise to get in a film, I think. Truly. Ghostbusters truly. 2016 also understands this principle that the best Sigourney Weaver is a, like a surprise Sigourney Weaver. A stealth Sigourney Weaver. I'd love, I'd love to just be surprised. I'm like, oh, oh, it's Sigourney. Oh, I oh my her. friend Sigourney. I oh my God. Her. Also, 
this is not related to the film, but I found out recently Sigourney Weaver's birth name is Susan. Huh. Sigourney is a nickname that her family used to call her as a child. That's insane. It's insane. Her name is Susan. I love it. (laughs) That's not related to anything, but I needed to say it because it's one of my favorite facts. I'm really glad you said it. Her name is Susan. Um, Anyway. I love how 2012 this movie is. 2011, 2012. Oh my god. It was such a specific moment, right? In fashion and culture. Yeah. In horror, because it's right, it's like right between where like the scream knockoffs ended and the sort of insidious conjuring uh, thing began. I remember, like, I I have a DVD copy of this from the era, <laughs> and a vintage copy from twenty eleven. Vintage, a vintage twenty eleven copy. Is it still of Cabin in the, in the original Woods. plastic wrap, Jimmy? <laughs> uh, no, it isn't because I got it secondhand. <laughs> but um. There were trailers on that copy of Cabin in the Woods that were like possession movies from God knows, like whatever this came out on DVD. Uh, it was very funny to see. It was like uh, the possession, which is the one about the Dybbuk and the Don't say the last word Dybbuk around me now that I'm in my Vampire Chronicles era. You can't say that. I'm so sorry. So Benji calls Armand. Ugh. Uh, Anne. Anne. Um, but yeah, so you, you can really like tell that this was almost a transitional movie, which is why I think the ending is very interesting to me. I didn't think about it that way because I was too busy getting mad at it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm so interested to hear your thoughts on the ending. I think you should yeah, go first just jump before to- I start yeah. dunking on it. Because maybe you'll change my mind. People tend to view the ending of this movie in a very sort of like literal uh, lens of like what is literally happening in the movie. And of course, what is literally happening in the movie is that Dana and Marty are allowing all of humanity to die in order to uh, stop the system that's that's been doing all of this horror movie to like uh, to, to stop the cycle of sacrifices being made. Uh, and it is nihilistic, but I, something about me likes to view it in a more symbolic sense of a, like, purging by fire. The current system sucks, so we're just gonna fucking burn it all down and see what happens after. I don't know. I don't know. That's how I see it. Of, of like, almost in a sort of, I, I hesitate to say anarchic. That's not it. What's, what's the word I'm looking for? Revolutionary? revolutionary sort of way in in like we like we have done this horrible thing to keep the rest of humanity alive for so long but now you know that those people still have to suffer in order for human like the whole of everything it's a little bit like and i hate to make this comparison because it's like oh let's compare this to a, a famous work of literature but it reminds me a little of the ones who walk away from Omolos, right oh like, interesting like, I don't know. I just, I, 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 there's no right answer to the problem posed by the movie, but like, there is something interesting in the idea of purging by fire is my take on the ending. I love that. And that actually kind Did of- Did I change your mind? No, you, you didn't change my mind. I still do think that I still have the same problems with this movie that I had, but- I mean, we love a difference of opinion on this podcast. Uh, I think I can uh-huh. disagree with you and still say that your interpretation of the ending has value and is cool and interesting. Oh, sure. Of course. And I can say the same for yours. Whatever it is. Okay. Okay. Let's talk. Um, I'm Listeners, I you can picture me like sitting down in a therapist's office. Taylor's on my couch. I have my little uh, my pen and my clipboard. Where did it start, Taylor? It started... Jemmy, doc, Dr. Jemmy. Yes. It started with cishet nerdy white men and the way that they approach genre filmmaking. Ah, uh, yes. Cishet white men of a certain age, like Gen Xers, are 
such a specific, you can just say Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon, but more broadly, like, it, but it's not just Joss Whedon is the problem, right? Because mm-hmm. if it was just Joss Whedon, then it's like whatever. You, you this guy already just sound unhinged. This guy just, yeah, I know, because I feel crazy. I feel like I am at such a weird crossroads with this movie. Like, on the one hand, like I said. Basically, all of the comedy beats are hitting me the way that they think they're intended to. This movie is very funny. I laughed out loud many times. On the other hand, I find its self-aware pseudo-cleverness deeply irritating in a way that I don't know how to reconcile with the funny parts. Okay. I think I'm just, like, very aware of the type of guy who writes a movie like this, and I hate that type of guy. And this person who thinks that he's doing the cleverest, most interesting commentary on horror films ever made, it's a very specific type of nerdy white guy of a specific age who I hate. (laughs) And I don't think has anything interesting to say about genre. And I don't think this movie has anything particularly interesting to say about genre. The metaphor simply did not work for me. Mm -hmm. The details I liked. The whole upsets me. Okay. I have to wonder how much of it is that just I, my like, expo- my level of exposure to this type of guy is already is very low. Yeah, I, I used to seek out romantic relationships with men is the thing. Uh, and I, I used to specifically look for men who had things in common with me, which usually meant oh, like no. nerdy guys. Oh no. So what I'm saying is I've dealt with this type of guy a lot. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I know the type of guy, right? And I also think that type of guy is insufferable. But I. And like, if you're maybe listening I'm, to this and you don't know the type of guy that we're talking about, look inward because you might be that type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> look within yourself <laughs> and try to change. It's not it's too not late. It's not too late. For $5 a month, we can help you. <laughs> Oh, come on, Taylor. More than five? <laughs> for $50 a month, we can help you No, unlearn. shut up. For $5,000 for five thousand a month. <laughs> for $8,000 a month, I will stop. Um... <laughs> oh, God. We have to scam these guys. Come on. Yeah. But if we're trying to help them. Well, yeah, but we should get money from it, That's though. true. We should. Anyway. I should be paid handsomely for every time I have to interact with this kind of guy. (laughs) So you haven't interacted with this type of guy a ton? I feel like the media that I seek out is typically, maybe not so much these days, but uh, (laughs) it's a recent development. Honestly, I think it's less about media and just that you're better at avoiding them. Maybe that. Honestly, maybe I that. I think it's a Although, skill issue on my part. Yeah, Taylor, skill issue. It's okay, I'm skill learning. Issue. I'm a lesbian now. I'm learning. Okay, God. It's okay, we're, listen. We all we've all been there. Yeah, I had a I had a boyfriend for uh, like most of my teenage years, I'm sorry. and he was a sopping wet mess of a man yeah. who uh, and not the fun, sexy Lestat kind. Not not the fun kind. Not he was not a he was not a Jack Russell. To <laughs> fucking tell you that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I genuinely think that I just have a lesser ex- lesser exposure to this type of guy, and therefore it does not irk me quite so much. I think another thing that really, um, but like, like oh. not to not to take away because he listen. This type of guy is fucking irksome. It's it's just that I we can all agree that this type of person yeah. sucks shit, and we none of oh, us for like sure. interacting with them. I just I for whatever reason I don't get the smug vibes that you are getting off of this movie. And I can't quite say why, because I can see where someone might, you know? It just doesn't strike me that way. A movie that I kept thinking about while watching this movie, and again, comparison that might seem odd, but I need you to stick with me here. Taylor, I just fucking compared this movie to the ones who walk away from Omelas. I can stick with you. This movie is very funny games. I've never seen funny games. So short thing, we're never going to do funny games on this podcast. If you try to tell us to do funny games, audience, I will I will seppuku myself in front of you. Um, I fucking <laughs> hate funny games. I'm sorry. I know that Eleanor likes it and I have other friends who like it. I hate funny games. Funny games is a movie basically about like two guys 
who butcher a family for sport. And the metaphor that Funny Games is operating on is this idea that um, the two killers in the movie know that they are in a fictional narrative and they are murdering and torturing this family for the benefit of you, the audience. And it is a very smug movie whose central metaphor is to point at the audience and say, wow, you're really fucked up for wanting to see this. You're fucking Mm -hmm. monsters. Look at this family, this innocent family. And they're butchering them because it'll make you, you entertained, you sick, twisted fuck. And it's like, fictional characters are not real. And maybe I'm interpreting the central metaphor. (laughs) I know, hot take, fictional people are not real. Um, I, I think that Maybe I'm not quite understanding the central metaphor correctly. So, Jemmy, feel free to jump in if I'm interpreting the film wrong, uh, which I very well may be because I just watched it yesterday and I've never seen it before. And I read zero behind the scenes or anything about it. But what mm-hmm. I the metaphor that I was getting from this movie was the monsters, the eldritch creatures are the horror audience, right? Uh-huh. Bradley Whitford and his posse are the like banal Hollywood executives churning out tropey movies to like shitty tropey horror movies to please the audience, the monsters, the people who are coming back for the trash and the idiocy and the cliche again and again. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that in writing these terrible movies, you are often having to fit square pegs into round holes in order to make tropes happen even when they don't make sense. And this movie is saying, you're bad for liking stupid movies, actually. And maybe I'm interpreting it wrong, but it feels no, I very think you are. smug. No, you, in a way you I don't are, like. but... Hmm. See, I, I... You're not wrong. First of all, you're not wrong. That is the metaphor. Thank you I, so much. I so appreciate you holding my hand. <laughs> I need it. I need someone to help Taylor, me through I, this. Taylor, I texted you in the middle of Mulholland Drive in tears because I thought I couldn't get it. It's fine. You are my therapist helping me understand the, the, the complexities of the Cabin in the Woods 2011. I have to wonder how much of this is like... And, hmm. How much of this is a response not to Scream itself, because, like, we we, we love Scream. Scream is great. Scream is, like, what this movie wants to be. It's not. Um, no one will ever be Scream, like, by the way. Yeah. People keep trying to do Scream. They, they No one ever has. And no one ever will. You can't and you won't. Urban Legend is kind of slay, though. I do kind of like Urban Legend. Uh, I just need to watch Urban Legend. It's stupid, but it's fun. I... But, like, I wonder how much of this movie is a response to, like, scream knockoffs, you know? Interesting. Uh, and I haven't personally seen a lot of scream knockoffs because uh, they're very bad, most of them. Urban Legend, again, standout, uh, which I've heard is very good. I have not seen it myself. Again, you're not going to be scream. But the way that, like, corporate movie making works is that you're going they will see a movie like scream make a lot of money and try to do scream right mm-hmm. uh and we just had that for a while as 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 the horror landscape in like the the like what basically the whole not the whole 2000s because we got we had uh torture porn in there too yeah it was but like half like, scream knockoffs and half torture porn you were either trying yeah. to do saw or you were trying to do scream exactly and that was a while, right? That was like that was like a decade of a, a decade, yeah. a wide swath of time. So I can kind of see where, in terms of the horror landscape, somebody might go, "Guys, we got to do something fucking different." <laughs> I understand this impulse, and I think that I would get behind this metaphor more if the audience were not represented as the monsters because I think that that muddies the central metaphor because the blame for shitty movies, right? Mm -hmm. Is not on the audience. 
The audience didn't make the shitty movies. The, pe the people that are to blame for shitty movies are the people who make them. <clears throat> and I uh -huh. think if, like, obviously, again, Bradley Whitford and his posse are the villains of the film. Yes. But they're also presented in this light of, like, they're doing what they have to do because the monsters want it. They're not making active choices. They're giving the monsters what they want. And they shouldn't give the monsters what they, what they want. But their actions are a response to the demands of the monsters. Not them forcing idiocy onto the monsters. There's no implication that if... Like, if horror writers were to write smarter movies the monsters would be okay with that. Like, maybe if the idea was more like horror movies need to be smarter or more interesting or more creative, but the vibe that I get from the metaphor of Cabin in the Woods is you fucking sheeple masses love slop and the Hollywood people are feeding you the slop that you like and you need to get better taste and then movies will get better but it's not that's not what it is though now i think the i think the divide here for between the two of us uh is that interpreting the audience monsters in this movie i don't see them as evil i don't see necessarily. them as evil either they're just kind of a personalityless destructive force I just see them, yeah, I just see them as a very neutral force. I'm trying to, hmm. But, like, the monsters do want the cliches. Right? Like. Give me a, give, give me a second here, girl. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm also thinking. I'm, I'm like Trixie Mattel. Like, like, you know, when she just had, like, two fingers to her head and Kati was like, what are you doing? And she was like, I'm just thinking really hard. Yeah, that's me right now, because I. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. The monsters, right, the audience monsters, I see them at the end, especially as like a purifying force, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that could be interpreted as the audience themselves saying enough is enough and we need something new. But the monsters didn't make that choice. They didn't, but they are symbolically, that is what symbolically they're, they're doing, right? I suppose so. I think my problem is that I think, I, think I just want to be nicer to this movie than you <laughs> I do. I think it's a weak metaphor. And it is a weak uh, metaphor. Don't get me wrong. I, I think I just am more charitable in my interpretation than you are. I mean, I, Again, I, because... respect, I respect the impulse to be more charitable to this movie because like somebody has to. It's a very beloved movie. <laughs> People like this movie for a reason, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I I understand your interpretation. I definitely see it. I just I just want to be nicer to this movie. I want to give it more of a benefit of the doubt kind of thing. And I think again, this all this all comes back to the fact that I have not had as much exposure to that type of guy that you have. Yeah, like it's it's this very like, wow, audiences thirst for the horrors. This is the modern gladiator sport kind of satire. But like at its core, I think this kind of thing, and a lot of movies and books try to do this kind of metaphor, but it just fundamentally misses the mark every time someone tries to do it because of the biggest issue, which is that the characters in horror movies are not real people. They're not being hurt when movies are made. No matter how bad the movies are. Um, I mean, it'll even ask the Marvel fan. <laughs> Says a lot about society that you love to watch this disgusting... Like, the at the end of the movie, right? Mm -hmm. I forget the main character's name. <laughs> Dana. Dana. At the end of the movie, when Dana says, they don't want to see us killed, they want to see us punished. That line, I needed to, like, pause and think. <laughs> there is something... To this line, it feels like the mission statement of the film. They don't want to see us killed. They want to see us punished. The audience wants brutality. The audience oh. is disgusting monsters 
who want these tropes, these cliches, Taylor. these archetypes. Taylor, Taylor, I, I think I have. Oh, it. please. I'm so excited. Tell me, tell me, tell me, please. Help me. Help me understand. Please, for the love of God. This movie was made by someone who thinks that horror begins and ends with the slasher movie. Oh my God. You are so fucking correct and true. You know what? That's crazy. Because the whole time I was thinking to myself, like, this movie is acting like these archetypes hold true for every subgenre of horror. Like, I think the. No, this is the missing puzzle piece because that's why I want to be charitable to this movie because I'm like, oh, they're, they don't, they're not talking about all horror movies. They're just talking about slasher movies. And it's because the director thinks that, or, or you know, I, I don't want to, you know, make the any assumptions about Drew. The writers think. Well, he did co-write this film. So. Yeah. The, the people making it are under the assumption that horror begins and ends with the slasher movie. Yeah. Cause like the, the monsters, right. That are like, um, that they can like choose from. To attack them. Like the archetypes mm. of the like plucky kids go into the cabin in the woods are the same regardless of what monsters are being set upon them. But the right. monsters that they're setting on them, like there's like you could get a kaiju, you could get zombies, you could get fuck like slasher. Like they're saying like any villain of a horror movie, any supernatural foe could be set upon these kids. But the archetypes they fit into are slasher movies. Yeah, archetypes. really only found in slasher movies. Uh, you're not going to see, like, the jock, the stoner, the final girl in, like, a Godzilla movie. I mean, you or might. Or in, like, a possession movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, Taylor, I think we did it. Because, <laughs> like, and the other thing, too, is that, like, I feel like by the time 2011 rolled around, Satire mm. on slasher movies was like, I mean, Scream. So we just had Scream. Number one, we already had Scream. Number two, who the fuck was still making slasher movies in 2011 other than like remakes of existing IP, like Friday the Thirteenth remake that came out in like '09 or whatever? I'd be fascinated to know when this script was written because it feels like it's satirizing a genre that by 2011 didn't really exist anymore. Yeah. But it's also so firmly 2011 in, like, its composition and its tone. And the thing is, right, like, general, and I, I say this as the daughter of someone who had this idea in her head, general public perception of horror movies outside of horror fans is slashers, right? Yeah. Like, my mom thought for a long time that horror movies were just uh, people chasing other people around with knives. So, Yeah. Oh my god. Taylor, this is a horror movie. This is a horror movie made by normies outside the horror community. I hesitate to say that, though, because, like, some of the references are very specific. I mean, they're specific to basically just slashers, though, right? Yeah. And slashers and Evil Dead. Does Evil Dead cause a slasher? I don't think it no, does. No, I don't think it does. No, evil, evil Dead <laughs> unless is like, you want to, to posit that Ash Williams is a final girl. I do. Which I would like to. I do. I do want to posit Hi, that. Uh, we're the authority on final girls, as our podcast title indicates. And uh, we're, we're here to say, definitively, we, Ash Williams. We claim Ash Williams. Final girl is a gender neutral term, and Ash Williams is one. We claim him. We claim him. He's one of ours now. Anyway. um, Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's just a narrowness of reference material that yeah, the sure. writers are trying to apply to an entire genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, like, yeah. Bestie, you're, like, 20 years, again, you're, like, 20 years out of date. 20 years too late. <laughs> like, my guy, who is making a slasher, like, an original non-IP slasher in 2011? Nobody. Nobody. No one. 
Like I said, the only slashers that were being made at this point in time were like remakes of existing IP. Right. Yeah. It was like, oh yeah, that like that little like boom in like the late 2000s. Yeah. But like mid to late all 2000s. of those were remakes. No one like it wasn't like the 80s when like there were original like slashers happening like all the time. Because right. the hot thing was torture porn and scream knockoffs. Exactly. Again, you were either trying to be Saw or you were trying to be Scream and you were probably failing. A timely horror parody in 2011 would have been like, a, and I hate to give any praise to the scary movie franchise because I don't like those films. They're not good. Except Tim Curry in the second one is very good and he rules. Um, <laughs> I think he's fucking hilarious in that movie. I mean, it's Tim it's Curry. It's Tim Curry. It's impossible for him not to be funny. But other than that, I don't think they're good movies. Um, but at least the scary movie franchise had timely reference points. Right. Like, again, that's something that you could critique them for. Like, you could say, like, you know, I, I've, I've heard this criticism of the scary movie franchise of people being like, they literally just take whatever's currently popular and then be like, what if the main character of popular movie from a year ago fell and fell on their butt? What if they said fuck? You know, like what if they said fuck? Yeah. What God? What if they said fuck? Um. But like, at least they're timely. At least they're parodying a thing that is in the public consciousness at that point in time. This movie isn't doing that. No, no. And I think I think that's why I'm more fine with being nice to it because I'm like, oh, you just don't like understand that there's more to horror than slashers. I I see. Yeah, I think, I think that this you poor movie, lost little lamb. Yeah, I think this movie could have benefited from just being a slasher parody, and I think maybe the reason that they moved away from that idea was because of Scream. But I think it would have made this movie make a little more sense because as it is, it's too broad. Yeah, it is too broad. I think I have been conceptualizing this movie now that I think about it as just a parody of slasher movies. But no, it is very broad, isn't it? Yeah, this movie is commenting on the state of horror films. And it's like... Wow. Horror is such a massive genre with two Huge. shit billion subgenres with their own very specific tropes and cliches. Some of which make no fucking sense. I mean, no fucking, fucking hell, we're never, gonna run out, we're never gonna run out of material for this podcast. Never ever. It's just... You and I are gonna be in we the fucking be... nursing home talking about we could... horror movies. We could do this for the rest of our lives and never, like, cover God fuck, like, all of horror. But we will. This is our announcement that we will be doing this podcast for the next 80 to 100 years. We will be cryogenically yep. freezing ourselves and unthawing ourselves just to talk about movies every two weeks. It's true. We're gonna be down there with Walt's frozen head. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Did you see that terrible commercial with Walt Disney's frozen head in it? No. This is a complete tangent, but remind me to send that to you after we finish recording because it's Please very do. weird. I I don't think <laughs> it's got a lot of copyrighted Disney clips in it, and I don't think they're legally allowed to use those. Huh. Anyone who knows what I'm talking about, hit me up because that was a weird ass commercial that I got before a YouTube video recently, and I still don't quite know what to make of it. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that, I think we cracked it, Taylor. Guys, we solved Cabin in the Woods. We did it. We fucking did it. We did, we solved your fucking puzzle, Joss. Fuck you. You know, also, not to keep harping on the ending, but uh -huh. I have a question for you. Okay. Is the movie saying, better to let the entire horror genre die than to keep making shitty movies? Because that was my first leap with the ending, but I'm curious as to what you thought of it as. Like, I don't think so. I think it's more just like, like burn down the skeleton of what, or no, burn down like the the skeleton of what we have and rebuild. Mm -hmm. Is more what I was like getting out of it. But again, I see where you are coming from, <laughs> and I think again, this is just me trying to be nicer to this movie. But I, I do think looking back on my notes that that point specifically might be a little harsh. Um, 
But it was my first thought seeing that ending. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're making a movie, you have to think about all possible interpretations because once the art is out in the world, it's not for you to decide what it means anymore. Exactly. So, you know, my interpretation might be wrong, but I do think it's valid. And um, maybe it's a bit of a leap, but that's what it was giving me is like, why are we continuing to make these terrible, terrible movies we should just stop. <laughs> if if the choice is between keep making shitty horror movies or stop, we should just stop. Now, see, I the the line that sticks out to me right always is um, Marty saying like I, I'm paraphrasing because I watched this two weeks ago and I did did not watch it recently. Uh, something along the lines of like, see what the next group or the next the next people who have the earth are going to do. And I always keep that in mind in terms of interpreting this ending, because again, it's the whole purifying by fire sort of thing. Can you guys tell that I wrote a fan fiction recently that used this metaphor extensively because I did. (laughs) And it's been on my mind. Can you tell that I agonized over the paragraphs that contained this metaphor? Guys, can you tell? It was a very good fan fiction. I read it. Thank you. It was really good. Unfor- Guys, she's a Unfor- great writer. Unfortunately, it's a uh, part of our esoteric RP verse that I cannot post anywhere without having to give billions and billions of hours of context. Not actually, but like a lot of context. So uh, you'll never read it, but it, it it's pretty good. It is. It's very good. Uh, but yeah, that's that's sort of the vibe that I get from it is like, we're going to see what the next people are going to do. The next subgenre is going to do that sort of thing. That's probably like more aligned with what the writers were thinking when they wrote it. Um, I was just in a bad mood at the end of the film. <laughs> so I think I was just... <laughs> G. Taylor, I can I tell! I was just interpreting it really uncharitably. Um... <laughs> But maybe I shouldn't have been so harsh. Um, You know, this is a film. Be nice. Be nice to the normies, Taylor. (laughs) This is so, this is so a be nice to the normies movie. (laughs) Yeah. Be nice to the normies, Taylor. They're trying. They're trying really hard. (laughs) They've seen Nightmare on Elm Street twice. They've seen Friday the 13th at least all the way, all the way through. Maybe. Maybe. That was because his girlfriend asked him to watch it with her. (laughs) Christ. I'm sorry, Drew Goddard, if you're listening to this. Fuck you, Joss Whedon. But, like, I don't mean to say mean things about Drew Goddard. I don't know anything about that man. Listen, man, super impressive that you made did all of this practically. This is an incredibly impressive movie. I do, regardless I do want to talk messaging. about how wonderful this movie looks. What was your favorite monster design in this film? Taylor. Oh, yeah, well... <laughs> yeah, Taylor, the werewolf. the werewolf. It looked so cool. It was the werewolf. It's a very good... It's a very good... I love to see a good on-screen werewolf, and this is a very good on-screen werewolf. I liked... Teeth Face Ballerina. Teeth Face Ballerina is a close second. She's great. I sometimes I feel like that. Me too. I looked at her, she turned around and her face was teeth, and I was like, I get it, girl. Yeah, girl. Me too. <laughs> Slay. You ever feel like this? All the time. Also, another thing, because I don't just want to dump on this movie, because like I said, I really liked it. I just had issues with the overarching metaphor. Um I loved how fucking nutso the ending is. Oh, it's a it's a full stop like wax. I literally ending. wrote down like love when a movie goes full waxwork on your ass. Waxwork, malignant, you know that kind yeah, of that thing. Kind of Maybe thing. not quite as bad shit as like malignant because malignant is just such a special movie. But Third act, fucking balls to the wall, nutso futso insanity. I love it. I love to see it. More movies should go batshit. And for a brief moment, I was having fun. (laughs) (laughs) Presented with apologies to Drew Goddard. Fuck you, Joss Whedon. You know what you did. You know what you did, Joss. And I will be tormenting you for at least a good couple of centuries in hell for it. Oh, also, how did I not know that this was where the evil is defeated gif came from? Yeah, hey, we probably should mention that. Yeah, it is. Like... Hey, I've been using that GIF for years. 
Why did I assume See, that I was, was from under- like a normal movie about a little girl with a frog? <laughs> I was under the impression that uh, you knew because again, I was under the impression that you had seen this movie. <laughs> I also thought I had seen this movie. But yeah, when I saw those, ca- when it was cutting to like whatever, like the Japanese, by the way, they say some really weird racist shit about Japanese people in this movie. I was like, whoa. They sure do. I was like, whoa, hey That was unnecessary. I'm not going to repeat what they said, but it's shockingly vile for a movie that is very like soft in its comedy. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, some weird pot shots at Japanese people. <laughs> what the hell? But wonder if that one was Joss. <laughs> that one was definitely Joss because we know he's racist in real life. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm, ugh, we're not going to go into that, but he is. Um, <laughs> but like I saw those kids and I was like, that looks like that gif. And then they turned the monster and into the was. frog and I was like, no fucking way. And, and it, it was, was that gif. It was. The evil is defeated. And I will continue to use that gif because it's a very funny gif. I'd say this movie was worth it just for the gif. Yeah. That that movie was worth it just for the gif to post when uh, shitty people die. Yeah, I can't wait to post that gif when Roman Polanski finally kicks the bucket. Mm-hmm. Delicious, kiss. delicious, and nutritious. Um, the moral of the story, kids, is that this the hor- is that horror is a vast and all encompassing genre. The slasher movie is a very small subgenre. That's true, and I know that personally. My final thought is simply, uh, "Fuck you, Joss Whedon." And with that, we should go read some letterbox reviews. Would you like to? I would love to. Hold my hand. I'm gonna take you on a journey. Wow. <laughs> Our first review comes from Haley. It simply says, Weed saves lives, y'all. Four stars. It does. This is a very stoner positive film. Yeah, I think it's Slay. Legalize it. Legalize it. It's legalized in a lot of places. <laughs> but it should be legalized in more places. It should. Uh, I do not know how to pronounce this person's letterbox username. Uh, it's... Kaysenia? Kaysenesia? I don't know how to say this. I'm very sorry. Um, But they said, don't be that friend that reads the Latin when someone is telling you not to read the fucking Latin. Literally, I will throw you to the zombies you just summoned and run the other way. Three stars. So true, honestly. (laughs) Never read the fucking Latin, kids. No! I thought that the joke was going to be that she decides to not read it. And they're like, we have to figure out another way to do this. And then she read it. And I was like, girl, five, five, five. Come never on read, never read anything in another language that you find written in a spooky place. Bad things will happen. It's true. It, bad things will happen. And this is why you shouldn't ever read anything in Latin. Ever. Ever. If you read Cicero, you are inviting zombies into your home. You are. 100%. Clementine says, maybe the funniest review that we've ever done on this show. Okay. This made me laugh out loud, which I never do at Letterboxd Reviews. Clementine says, one of the greatest horror ideas ever that was unfortunately processed through the lay epic Reddit moment AI generator. Two and a half stars. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Uh, yeah. That just happened. Can you? Can some of us are? Some of us have. Some of us are. Uh, some of us are survivors, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did I trigger your PTSD? <laughs> some of us. Some of us watched the Avengers 2012 within the past, like I don't know. Uh, mm, three years? I watched it a little after WandaVision, so two years. Uh, he's right behind me, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) I have, like, a visceral reaction. (laughs) I had a visceral reaction. I can't see you right now, but I could feel you just curling in on yourself. Oh, God. Awkward! I gotta take a shower after. (sighs) Sorry, I'll stop. No, you won't. No, you we won't. We did it, Reddit. <laughs> anyway. 
Closer look media what? says this. What if I jumped out of out the window <laughs> on mic? What if I did that? What if I took my mic with me so you could get the get the coverage? <laughs> I'm like the monsters. I want to see carnage. You do. You want to see me carnaged? Uh, <laughs> carnage specifically. Yeah. Carnaged. Yeah. Get carnaged, idiot. Idiot. We <laughs> hate it here. I hate this podcast. I feel like at this I'm, point, one of us says that every episode. <laughs> I Listeners, I'm blinking Guantanamo style. You can't see, but I am. <laughs> That's three Chris Fleming quotes. Oh, man, we got to get a tally. Anyway. Oh, man. Anyway, <laughs> Closer Look Media says, This movie wasn't scary because I know how to solve Rubik's Cubes. Half a star. <laughs> God. I don't know how to say this person's name either. <laughs> okay. M- I'm sorry. I'm still processing the trauma. It's fine. Emiche. M- M- I think it's Emiche. Their icon is the McDonald's arches. Slay. Slay. I hope McDonald's paid you for that. Um, they said, the whore, the athlete, the scholar, the fool, the virgin. They could have sacrificed the Spice Girls. Yeah, they could have. Boy, they fucking sure could have. And it would have been great. I would like a remake of this movie starring the Spice Girls. Make it happen. That would be a epic, epic win. (laughs) I'm sorry. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Don't say you're sorry. (laughs) Don't say you're fucking sorry. Don't apologize to me with your empty fucking words. Hey, I just heard a noise outside. Is that you coming to kill me? Yes, it is. <laughs> you walked to New I'm York. In your fu- I'm in your fucking walls. I you know like- you're in my fucking walls. You've been in my walls since the day we met, Jemmy. It's true. And I've been in your walls in return. Mutual wall being. Yeah, mutual wall existence. <laughs> God. What's your star rating for this 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 movie that ostensibly we are talking about i don't three know if we're talking stars, about maybe. it anymore yeah <laughs> three and a half stars it's a solid one i'm gonna say three stars i think that half a star is my charitable uh <laughs> donation to the- <laughs> like in the collection plate at church you say nice things yeah, about kevin in the woods <laughs> It's me going all. Bl- it's me going all. Bless you. Really do think that the horror is just slashers, huh? Aww. You watched That's Friday sweet. the Thirteenth. That's nice. That's so sweet, honey. You think Jason's the killer in the first one? That's adorable. Oh. Look, they're cute. See, <laughs> they're adorable. I'm like <laughs> little tryhards. Anyway, <laughs> this was an episode. This was an episode. This is what happens when we take time off, is that we just come back completely and utterly unhinged. Saying that really posits that this podcast has ever been hinged in any way, shape, or form, and I really don't think that's true. I think think our first couple episodes were pretty hinged. That's true. I think we were fairly hinged. Speaking of our first couple episodes, uh, I don't know if any of you have been... Well, I'm sure... At least some of you have been with us since the beginning. Uh, and if you, you were, you would know that our very first episode was Saw. Uh, and this was back when I had a Saw hyperfixation. And I was like, oh, cool. We will just do all the Saw movies for my first movies. And then we never did another Saw movie. Guess what, friends? If it's Halloween, it must be fucking <laughs> Saw. Because next week, we are it's watching Saw 2. <laughs> it's not next week. I don't care. You're not going to edit that out. Next Time. <laughs> Saw 2, baby. We are watching Saw 2, baby. We're finally getting back to it. I finally get to talk about Amanda in her full uh, her full uh, capacity. God knows how many years later. And it will be, I believe, releasing uh, just in time for uh, Saw X. I like that nobody is calling it Saw 10 because it's simply Saw X. Not even the marketing is calling it Saw 10. <laughs> well, I know, but like, 
X is the Roman numeral for 10. You could just say saw 10, but nobody is. <laughs> Including me. Because we're, we're not cowards. Because we're not cowards. Taylor. It's like how nobody calls Saw 3D Saw the final chapter. It's like, bitch, you committed to Saw 3D. We're holding you to it. Exactly. I will not call that fucking movie Saw the final chapter. I don't care what the title is on HBO Max. It's Saw 3D in my heart. And that movie is also, five minutes be- long. And those five minutes are just when Carrie Elwes is on screen. Also, uh, listeners, we will do the rest of the Saw movies, but we will not be doing Saw 3D. I refuse to watch that movie any more than I have to. Can we do like a tag on the end of Saw 6 to talk about Carrie Elwes in Saw 3D? We absolutely Good. can. That's all I care about. Guys, he's so <laughs> important to me. <laughs> I think I could watch his performance on a loop for the rest of my life and be happy. I could. It's really something. It's really something. But, but he's not in Saw 2. No, uh, we will be, so we'll be watching that. Yay. And yeah, that will be the start of our Halloween, uh, Halloween slate. So if you want to stick around for that, you can follow us at FGF pod on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you liked what we did here today, liked to listen to us, uh, try and parse through our feelings about Cabin in the Woods in a therapy session-esque manner, you can give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, do whatever it is. You need to do on your podcast platform of choice to let us know you enjoyed our little show today. And we will see you next time for Saw 2. Bye. Bye, everybody.